0: Invesco QQQ believes new innovations create new opportunities. Here's to greater possibilities together. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
1: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Jim Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job's not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put it in context. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or yes, tweet me at Jim Kramer. Bored with the rally. I swear. People are bored with what's going on with stocks, including today, where the Dow gained 105 points, S&P climbed at 0.83%. NASDAQ vaulted 1.5%. You know what I feel like doing when I see these numbers and I talk to people? Yeah. I mean, they're all napping. They're napping. Look, either they, uh, they don't want to say anything good about the market because of politics, as the president has done a very good job of linking himself with the performance of the averages, or they just... They're prone to sleep. But no matter how good stocks get, it doesn't seem to hit their radar screen. I was on vacation last week. San Diego, not bad. All I heard was Bitcoin, Bitcoin, and Bitcoin. Hey, Kramer, how about Bitcoin? They all recognized me by my voice. Hey, Kramer, Bitcoin, is it too late? Is it too early? I mean, holy cow. Never a stock, never. The market's a yawner. Or it's an abstraction for most people. But the truth is, is that if you're bored by this incredible rally, may I suggest that you get your head examined? That was easy. Sure, only 53% of the people in this country have exposure to stocks. And while I wish more Americans could afford to participate in the amazing engine of wealth creation that is the stock market, 53% still a lot of people. And if you're one of them, you should be feeling real good after last year's run. How's a pleasure. You feel good about retirement. You feel good about travel. You feel good about money for college. You feel good about paying down debt with some of your profits. You feel good about buying a car or a house or doing a renovation. Not feeling good about sleeping, for heaven's sake. All right, there are stocks that fit into every aspect of that litany, and that's what wealth creation is all about. That's what progress is all about. Is it related to President Trump's policies? Look, love them or hate them, the answer is yes. The president has created a pro-growth environment along with a new tax code that will take money from the government, who knows what they're gonna do with it, and give it to the corporations. I know what they're gonna do with it. They're gonna move their stock up, whether they use it to expand or buy back stock or boost their dividends. It's going to be good for stock prices. Hey, this is mad money, not mad politics. That's another network. Just look at the president's tweets. I mean, he's as hands-on about the stock market as Obama was hands-off. Even though stocks did pretty well under Obama, he never wanted to take any credit. The market's so important to Trump that I'm surprised he doesn't tweet buy on weakness about stocks that happen to be full on a given day. Hey, Walmart's not up today. Why don't you buy some? That would be a match. Hey, when I was a judge for The Apprentice, yes, I really was. I was always asked, you know, what's really going on? All I can tell you was, because it was like big, all this confidential stuff, is that I was shocked at how competitive Trump was about his TV show, about how much he cared about his ratings. Now he's got a stock market for rating system. And again, like it or not, those ratings are off the charts. Hey, no fake news there. Now, there are plenty of opinion makers from states like New York, New Jersey, Illinois, and California that are pretty darn glum about their finances. The
0: House of Pay.
1: Despite the Dow being up 25% in 2017. Their newfound inability to deduct state and local taxes nullifying whatever gains they might have in the stock market. Fair enough. Hey, I wish I had the state and local deduction back, too. Bummer. But that doesn't change the fact that the market's in fuego. What makes it so great? All right, let's do some work. First, after a prolonged period where FANG, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, you have to say FANG because you need two A's. Now Alphabet, by the way, kind of lounged around. They were doing nothing. Hey, they were taking a nap, too. Now, lately, they're, I mean, like today, there's been a fire lit underneath them all day. We often talk about the notion of profit-taking after a big run. The action in these stocks indicates the profit-taking hangover from 2017 looks like it's over. How do I know this? Because of the morning's research. We didn't get anything about Facebook, or Facebook, or Alphabet or Amazon. Nothing. Yet those stocks rallied five dollars, nineteen dollars, and twenty dollars respectively. We had a positive narrative from uh, brokerage house about Netflix, which soared up nine dollars on it. But the piece had nothing revelatory. I mean, apparently people around the world like Netflix. Who knew? Apple, the second A in uh, in the new Fang. Got both a defense about battery gate and a suggestion that sales for the 8 and the, and the 10 are on plan. Allowed the stock to advance three bucks. Nice start to the year. Now, that's a big difference from the survey last week indicating Apple's new phone sales have fallen behind. How many times have you heard these negative surveys? I think they faked out people uh, dozens of times. They are classic buy high, sell low, loss generators. I can't remember a single survey that was ever positive other than those done by Katie Huberty, the godsend from Morgan's. Stanley. Oh, and BatteryGate? I mean, Apple fixed it as soon as possible for very low cost. Most amazing thing is that people thought Apple would just hang its customers out to dry. But as I always say, Apple's the ultimate consumer product company, which means it wants customer satisfaction at all times. That's what the company's about. Hello? That's why I wish Apple stock was covered by the same analysts who cover consumer goods. I think we get a price earnings multiple in excess of Colgate, Procter, Clorox, Kraft Heinz. I mean, Kraft Heinz got much bigger price earnings multiple. General Mills, that kind of valuation, get this, this $171 stock could easily sell at $240. And I'm giving them a haircut. I don't know if the new phones are selling well at this very moment, OK? I don't. I do know that Apple makes great products, and I am as thrilled about the iPhone ten I bought for my wife as she is about the ten that she gave me or whatever, you get it. She's in India right now, and that nation of one point three billion is just getting cell phones in the areas outside of its major cities. Do the surveys even include those potential customers? Anyone know when my wife's coming back? Of course, it's not just fang. The semiconductor complex under pressure until, uh, all December seems to be making a comeback, too. That matters. And the highest multiple tech stocks, the Adobes, the Salesforce, the VMware's, are finally on the move after being stuck in the mud during much of the fourth quarter. They're mudders. I think that they're all buys. VMware's really way too low, given that blowout quarter. What else should, uh, should uh, wake people up from their slumber-induced... Uh, avoidance of stocks? How about the oils breaking out above uh, because the crude is above 60? That group's been a huge millstone around the neck of the market. I almost can't believe these moves we're seeing. Finally, a stock like Schlumberger, such a terrific company, is getting its due, something I've told club members of Plus.com could happen in 2018. I, I'm blue in the face about it. More on that group later in the show. Or the retailers, you see them? I know that noted analyst turned money manager Gene Munster said that Amazon might buy Target. Hmm, but Victoria. That's great, okay? I don't think they will, but people are taking it seriously because retail's doing better. The stock of Kohl's has been screaming, hey, Amazon to buy Kohl's. I heard that. Macy's has come back to life, hey, Amazon to buy Macy's. Hurry, I heard that one. Best Buy's hitting highs. Haven't heard that one. The bedraggled L Brands. L Brands it just caught a buy recommendation on better traffic at Victoria's Secret. I met someone this, on vacation that goes there. And Bath and Body Works. Matthew Boss over at J.P. Morgan went from a cell to a hold on Nordstrom. Made me wonder, will the buyout talk Beginning begin again? So why not speculate on Target? Hey, why not? Target, yeah. Hey, meanwhile, the transports are all up again, running like the wind. UPS and FedEx, they're, they're on fire because of e-commerce, although the former feels like one buyer going nuts and about to make a stink about it. The stock of CSX, get this, the big railroad that lost its spectacular CEO, Hunter Harrison, to an illness a few weeks ago, something that caused the stock to plummet, is now above where it was when he passed. Once again, the commodity stocks are roaring. Alcoa's been a monster. Freeport, McMoran, the copper company, has been trading like it's all gold instead of a small percentage. If the dollar stays as weak as it's been, the rally could still be in its early innings. And never forget, we have a stock shortage in the commodity department. We just don't have enough of them. Biotechs, laggards, no water. Amgen, Biogen, Regeneron, Celgene, Gillian. We thought that Disney might be done moving up Uh, Yeah, because of the Fox deal. Ah, stock took off because of the continuing strength of its latest Star Wars movie, which I haven't seen, and it crashed through the billion-dollar barrier of the weekend. That's a good way to put the woes of ESPN in the rearview mirror, isn't it? Stock closed at 4 bucks, 111 Gigantic move, old line cap, big cap stock. I could go on and on, and believe me, I would if I were doing this show at home. I'd do the show at home in front of a mirror a lot for, like, hours. But the bottom line is simple. For whatever reason, the animal spirit's triggered by the president's focus on deregulation, the bonuses being given to workers after the tax cut, the weaker dollar going into the earnings, the boom in the southeast because of a glut of natural gas, the coming boost in earnings estimates thanks to the slashing of corporate taxes. We got an incredible rally. And this kind of move is never boring. It's not a bull. It's a beast. And right now, it's in beast mode. Bill in New York. Bill! Hi, Jim. Happy
0: New Year to you, your staff, and your families. I'd appreciate your thoughts on Align Technologies, ALGN. My son and I have owned it for about nine months, and we were up 120% until its recent drop of 18%. And we're still up 90%. Well, look, I mean, that
1: stock was number two in the NASDAQ. Uh, I think the dentists need a product. I think they've got one. Do you know that company isn't bare just scratching the surface internationally? It's got some huge business in the Netherlands. Whatever the heck that's about. And they must like straight teeth. I'm not I'm not giving up. I think it had a little profit taking. I think it'll be back. A line is good. I'm thinking about getting from I had braces when I was 13, and it's starting to get, you know what? Anyway, it's probably too much information. Bill in New York, Bill. Hi, Jim. Well, I love your show and a happy new year to you. Same. I own Monsanto,
0: and I was wondering if you could give me your opinion about the potential
1: Monsanto-Fair merger. Uh, I don't know. It's in Europe. I mean, you know, anything in Europe is really difficult. Uh, I, I, I don't know the answer. we got to check with the arbitrageurs. To me, ka-ching, ching when you got a winner like that. All right. Happy New Year, Kramer. 2018 is already anything but boring. When you wake up out there, it's not a bull. It's in beast mode. Hey, buddy, tonight, with 2017 in the books, knowing what separated last year's winners from its losers, hey, maybe that's the key to a profitable 2018. So I'm going to dig down the domination of the Dow. Then CarMax and Order nation, oh, man, they've stalled. What does the decline mean for the overall auto industry? I'll reveal. And Wall Street kicked off the new year on a high note. Major averages moving higher for the first day of trading 2018. But can the upward momentum continue? I think we got to go off the charts to find out. Yeah, the charts. Stick with Kramer. People who say the Dow Jones Industrial Average is meaningless, and then within the same breath, they quote how much it's up or down. Why do so many people insist that it doesn't matter? Because these days, I guess, far more money managers gravitate to the S&P 500. That's the benchmark to beat if you're a professional investor. Look, I, I don't disparage the venerable index. I embrace it, because the Dow's still a good proxy for stocks, and it singles out the big ones. In fact, right now, It's more important than it's been in a long time because its snapshot of 2017 gives you a terrific view of the winners and losers in classic big cat names with the overall score very representative, plus 25%. I don't have time to sketch out all 30 components. wish I did, but I can give you some background and some prognostications on the five best performers. Let's start with the best of the best. Let's start with Boeing. Boeing was the strongest performer in the Dow, was up a staggering 89% last year. You know what? I don't think it's done. Boeing could still have one more excellent year with its current order book alone. This nearly $297 stock. Eh, I'm using a $40 price target that gives about a 35% return. Not too shabby. Why am I so confident? It's simple. Because 2017 was the year that Boeing stock became a new and different entity. It went from being a cyclical to a secular growth play. boom, boom to boom. For ages, we used to measure Boeing by a new plane boom-bust cycle. If the plane was loved, Danielson raised the numbers. If the plane was disliked or hard to build, as was the case with the Dreamliner, it would get hit, maybe hit hard. It was a scary stock. This year, though, with an order book nearly bursting with business, both military and commercial, investors seem to have stopped caring about individual aircraft orders. And they're focused on the secular trend of travel, especially overseas, where only a sliver of people have actually flown. And many, many more will do so in the not-too-distant future. Yes, Boeing's earnings are now smooth. Its production lines are efficient. And as CEO Dennis Molenberg told us recently, there's a huge wait for new planes because so many different companies want them. You can't get one. Yet many people fly, many more people fly each year internationally. Than they did the previous year, which is why Boeing has literally 20 years of demand for its most popular product, the, the uh, 737 narrow body. They see the order book. The company will soon be expanding its assembly line so it could make more, uh, it can meet that demand more quickly. But it's still overwhelmed by orders. I know that Boeing's engaged in a never-ending dogfight. <laughs> With their boss over orders, that European company that I always felt uh, you know, got subsidized too much. But at least for now, it looks like Boeing's winning. And I doubt their lead will dissipate anytime soon. Company also has a long-term arrangement with NASA to put a man on Mars, which could turn into a space race with Elon Musk, who's got a similar target. I'm putting my money on Boeing. Hear that, Elon? No. Boeing's gross margins on its latest planes are very high because they have tremendous economies of scale. No wonder the company just announced an $18 billion buyback, 20% dividend boost. The latter becoming pretty much a staple for these guys. Everyone's waiting for a pullback. But the stock's only given you one 10-point reversal since 2015. The buyback is very alive. That gentle sloping stock is what you're always looking for. In short, Boeing's a buy. Next up is the most heavily shorted stock in the Dow, Caterpillar. Caterpillar which proved the shorts wrong with a staggering 70% gain last year. Caterpillar is another stock that has transformed itself. Not that long ago, Cat was viewed as a total boom and bust play that depended on China. Asia is only about 22% of their business, though, so the correlation isn't that strong. These days, what matters is the strength of their business here in the U.S. and how much more efficient Cat has become with both its manufacturing processes and maybe even more important, the one-time unruly dealer network that they didn't control. That means the company has much less risk of making too much machinery or too little because it's got a much better handle on the whole food chain. Sure, Caterpillar is still a cyclical business. That that hasn't changed. But right now, things are booming. And in this boom, the company is making a heck of a lot more money off of its earth movers. The balance sheet, like that of Boeing, used to be a nightmare at one point. Now it's fairly pristine. Sure, the company's been hurt by its untimely purchase of Bucyrus, that was a coal machinery, uh, mining machinery maker. Terrible, bought at the top, but the results shine anyway. And the shorts have been crushed. I don't think CATS become a secular growth story. I'm not saying that. Just that some of the commodities you need CATS earth movers for, like copper and oil are at their highs or climbing, while the Southeast is experiencing a manufacturing renaissance that needs all the CAT machines it can get. I doubt CAT stock can repeat its performance from last year. But with President Trump talking a big game about his infrastructure plans this year, there's more in the tank for this stock than for a lot of others out there. Yeah, I'm still hot on CAT. Number three is Visa. And it just keeps going higher and higher and higher. They should, right, wouldn't this be good? They should be like this. That's a V. Anyway, gained 46% last year. Now, we sold the stock for my charitable trust, uh, which you can follow along at actionalertsplus.com, when Charlie Sharp, whom we just love, left the company. Didn't think he could possibly be replaced by anybody that good. They got Al Kelly. And this guy's been excellent. He's really good at getting new customers. Visa's now become the go-to financial tech stock for those too scared to own the banks or those who simply think the financials can't grow as fast as Visa. Now, you might think the stock would stall out at these levels, but with the dollar diving, this company that gets 52% of its business from overseas, it's got a fabulous tailwind. Plus, Visa's the 17th largest company when it comes to dollars overseas, $7.7 billion parked internationally, and Kelly, who has far exceeded expectations, might bring some of that back to further elevation elevate the stock. His time on the acquisition of Visa Europe, right about at the height of the dollar 18 months ago. Oh, man, was that prescient. Fourth, uh-oh, here's the one everybody hates. What, did someone take my Apple? Well, that's typical. No, here it is. Apple's about as hard to own right now as it's been at any point in the last couple of years, because there's so many darn surveys out there saying that the new iPhone 10 is a bust. Plus, charters are buzzing about a major crack in the armor, which could send the stock plummeting from 172 to 120. Hey, 120. Why not? Because of these concerns about the new phone, not to mention battery gate, which is really, I mean, come on. I think they already put that behind them. Apple sells for just 15 times earnings. From all the negative comments of late, you'd think that Apple stock must have lost people fortunes, but it actually finished last year up 46.1%. I bet the company's service revenue continues to grow. Apple still, after two years, isn't getting enough credit for that one. It's steady. And I think while the stock may not be ready for a shortfall, we haven't, you know, heard, we haven't heard enough negative things from worthwhile sources to make me want to give up on this one. No way. Apple has more than $269 billion in cash. of it overseas. However, the company has a lot of debt overseas, so there's no real way that we can assess how much will flow back for buybacks, dividends, or capital expenditures, but it's certainly going to be more than now. I'm sticking to my guns. You own Apple. You don't trade it. Nobody takes my Apple. Finally, number five, Walmart. Didn't even go up today. I think this stock has the potential to go up at least 20% on top of its 43% gain last year because the company is now going to see the benefits of its big spend on e-commerce with Jet.com offering something new, different, and cheaper, and exciting. Walmart's a much better company than it was a few years ago, with a terrific grocery section, by the way, that includes many organic items and prices that seem ridiculously low. I mean, you think that they're a mistake. Go to one, please. You won't believe how good they've become. You won't believe how, get this, get this, get this, how fun they are. When was the last time you ever heard the word fun in the same sentence as Walmart? They spend heavily to be able to compete with Amazon. Unlike other brick-and-mortar retailers, their pockets are deep enough that the spending has actually been paying off. Fortunately, the the, uh, Walton family's going with uh, Doug McMillan to make Doug McMillions. The bottom line, when you look at the top five performers in the Dow from last year, Boeing, Caterpillar, Visa, Apple, Walmart. I think they're all buys. However, they rarely give you buyable pullbacks. Money managers are constantly chasing all but Apple. The fact is, there aren't enough aerospace, machinery, financial tech, or successful brick and mortar chains to choose from. The stock shortage at work, hence the incredible strength here. And you know what? I bet it continues. Hey, much more made money ahead. The rumble for roadway dominance between CarMax and Rotor Nation continues. Do either of these players have the ability to step on the gas? Or could their recent declines be a red flag? I'm putting you in the driver's seat just ahead. Then 2017 marked the best year for stocks in several years. But what could 2018 hold? Hmm, I gotta go off the charts. And what can you buy now that crudes risen seven out of the eight not out of eight past days? It's a lie. Well' not I you a game plan for the oil patch. So stick with Kramer. Just before we went away for the holidays, something curious caught my eye. CarMax, the gigantic used car retailer, reported a seemingly solid quarter, yet the stock only ended up selling off hard. Sell, 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 sell. And in the end, both CarMax and AutoNation closed out the year pretty much flat after some wild trading. I mean, heck, even the auto parts company started doing well. Well, it's because of the cold weather. So what the heck is going on with these two auto dealers? Is the whole industry in trouble? Could the uh, big incumbents simply be losing share to newer players like Carvana, which sounds like Carvel, doesn't it, which just came public last year? Okay, to understand the used car space, let's take a trip in the way back machine, Peabody, to early 2017, a very different time. Back then, CarMax and AutoNation got hammered as people started fretting about a car supply glut. After years of strong auto sales, some investors figured that the used car market was being flooded with too much inventory. When you got too much supply and not enough demand, prices go down at 101, something that a number of analysts began calling attention to. Plus, don't forget, this is when just about everybody out there was fretting about the possibility of a whole automobile industry peaking. Now, fast forward to early March. And CNBC's Scott Wapner, my partner this morning on Squawk on the Street, reported that Jim Chano's, famous short seller, had taken a major position betting against CarMax. April 2nd, Barron's ran a piece predicting that CarMax's stock could be vulnerable for 20% decline. If anything, things were even worse for AutoNation. The company reported a couple of less-than-stellar quarters in early February and late April. More important, the weakness was exactly what you'd expect from a glut of used cars. company getting really hurt by excessive promotional activity. You ever see their ads? It was like, hey, come on down. Cars for free. Hey, we'll pay you to take a car. I mean, honestly, those ads were insane, like Crazy Eddie. However, in April—I'm old enough to remember that. However, in April and May, CarMax and Honor Nation saw their stocks begin to bounce, and the tone seemed to improve. We found out that much of the early-year softness had to do with lenders pulling back on subprime auto loans, not the end of the world. Then when CarMax reported in June, they actually delivered a fabulous beat. Same-store sales used cars, uh, for used cars uh, up 8.2%. Company's financing division, which had a lot of people worried, they saw its income rise by 8.5%. Wow, financing is good business. AutoNation took a little longer to start rebounding. Their numbers continued to be a lot less impressive. But even their stocks started showing signs of life in August after the board approved a $250 million buyback. Really, though, the used car space turned around with everything else auto-related after the two big hurricanes hit in late August and early September. Harvey and Irma wiped out hundreds of thousands of cars. You know, Harvey alone wrecked half a million cars. And suddenly, no one was worried about peak autos anymore because that translated into hundreds of thousands of insurance checks earmarked for new vehicles. So you'd think that the industry would have been sitting pretty, right, by the time CarMax reported again last month. But then something curious happened. When the company posted its results on December 21st, The numbers looked Okay. While CarMax's earnings came in in line, company sales were stronger than expected, up 11% year over year. Same-store sales uh, for used cars, which is what I, I think is most important, increased by 2.7%. Even the wholesale division, which had been the one problem area, was up 9%. percent 9.1%, and their financing arm grew by 15%. So why the heck, did uh, what was this sell-off about? Because the numbers, though pretty good, simply weren't good enough. Remember, everyone was expecting a ton of new demand thanks to Erman Harvey. But CarMax's used car sales actually decelerated on a same-store basis. So if it took two horrendous hurricanes for the company to generate a 2.7% increase, down from 82 in June, you had to wonder about the overall state of the business, don't you think? People were hoping for a much bigger boost. Now, AutoNation, which had been staking up the joint all last year, suddenly reported a good quarter in November, and they actually got credit for it. Sure, the company missed on the top line, but they blew away the earnings estimates. And AutoNation same-store uh, used vehicle uh, gross profit increased by 9% year-over-year. More important, the company repurchased 9% of their total shares outstanding. Buy, ah. buy, 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 buy! During that one quarter, which is how they generated the monster earnings beat. And it sure helped that AutoNation announced a partnership with Waymo, Alphabet's autonomous driving division. Hey, i bid him one. one. Yeah, like you say, hey, take me to the best pizza place, and it takes you there. I mean, doesn't ask you what kind. You like? I like Domino's. Don't need to go anywhere. The stock spiked 15% on this news, although it's given back some ground since then. So where do we come down on these two used car giants? All right, for starters, I mean, they sell all square cars, but for starters, CarMax and Order Nation both look darn cheap, the kind of cheap that's hard to find in this market. The former sells for 15 times earnings, the latter for just 13 times earnings. If you're looking for a value play, you have my blessing to pick up some CarMax right here, right now. Which is the more consistent of the two, and it's pulled back nicely. However, if you're looking to speculate on a used car play, more of an exciting story. I mean, you got to consider a stock like Carvana (CVNA), which Steve in New York asked me about on December 11th. This is a neat concept, but I'm not sure about the a- execution here. Carvana is trying to change the way people buy used cars. Rather than going to a dealership negotiating with salespeople, Carvana makes it easy to find and buy a used car on their website. They'll either deliver it to you or you can pick it up from one of their automated car vending machines. The idea of buying a used car off the Internet might sound insane to you, no matter how much information Carvana gives you. But you have to remember that if there's one thing millennials hate more than talking on the phone, it's talking to random strangers in person. Like used car salesmen, or or women, they can't stand it. Give it them, give them a choice, and almost always prefer to do their shopping on the web, even for a car. Now, Carvana's stock was a total flop when it came public last April. Everyone was worried about peak orders at the time. Darn thing priced at fifteen, immediately opened at thirteen fifty, closed at eleven ten. Brutal, kind of like Blue Apron. Week later, the stock was at eight bucks and change, Naked Apron. But it didn't take too long for Carvana to come back with a vengeance company's first quarter out of the gate in June, strong. Guidance, even stronger. Here's the problem. The latest quarter was not so hot. When Carvana reported again in November, the company delivered a top-line miss while its revenue is still growing rapidly, up 128%. Investors didn't like that management narrowed their full-year guidance, specifically lowering the high end of their forecast. On top of that, Carvana's got some pretty public detractors, been making some serious accusations about the company. Since the IPO, multiple short-sellers have, pr- have published harsh critiques of Carvana, mostly on Seeking Alpha alleging the company basically cooking one of its key metrics, the gross profit per unit. Now, I tend to be less critical of this kind of thing, but I'm mindful that every time these stories come out, they tend to cause the stock to get dinged. So you have to believe where there's smoke, well, you know. More important, Carvana's not exactly cheap. Companies expected to turn a profit next year, but even on those estimates, it's selling for more than 30 times earnings. If they can sustain their incredible growth rate, that could be a good story. But thanks to the law of large numbers, it's going to be very hard. The real issue for me is that Carvana just missed their sales forecast, had to walk back part of their very ambitious guidance. That's not a great sign. So for the moment, I recommend sitting on the sidelines. Here's the bottom line. With a roaring economy, I think the used car space can make yet another comeback. But if you want to be smart about it, you'll invest in the consistent, recently marked down CarMax and be grateful that there's still a stock cheap enough with growth prospects after this historic run for equities. I'm going to Alex in California. Alex! Happy New Year to you, Jim. Right back at you. (laughs) Hey, last time I called in, Jim, you told me to check out Chris Long of the Eagles and his charitable efforts. Um, He's doing great things for his community. I just wanted to give him a shout out. Absolutely. President Obama gave him a shout out. I gave some money to that charity. That's not the point. Uh, Don't talk about charity. But anyway, yeah, I totally agree with you. What's going on? (laughs) Um, I'm a big believer in CEO Mary Barra and her management team. Their Bolt has been selling great, and they also are pushing into autonomous vehicles. Based on the recent stock price slump and their positive Ford guidance, is now the time to invest in GM. I think it is. I mean, I I think the stock's cheap. Now, it sells at six times earnings. That's it means that people think that they can't make the numbers. I'm on board. I am on board with this one. How about Paul in Washington, please? Paul. Hello, Jim. Based on past history, it looks like Cummins could...
0: So would that be a buy, hold, or sell? I've got to tell it? you,
1: this is a great point, Paul. I mean, like, splits t- really don't mean anything. I mean, you know, you got one pencil, okay? You break it. I mean, you know, do you have two pencils? Yeah, but, you know, think about it. They're not as big as the one. Here's the problem. A lot of these companies have been taught that the big firms don't want you to split because then it costs more per transaction. This is wrong. It's wrong because individuals will not come in and buy stocks if they're a high dollar amount. It's like everyone's Berkshire Hathaway. Split your stocks, people. I know it seems like an illusion, but nobody can afford to buy even two shares. Do me a favor. Do it. Because Cummins is good. I know it's hard to believe, but there's still a stock that's cheap with good growth prospects. It's CarMax. I think it has got room to run. What's more have money at? What's in store for this market in the new year? I'm tackling the technicals to find out. Then, new year, new approach. I'm offering up the top ways to play the energy sector. Can you believe that there's stocks to recommend in 2018? What's all your calls. Rapid Fire, tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stick with Kramer.
0: Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the
1: NYSE. My wife is in India. What the hell is she doing there? I don't know. She never comes back. She's there now? Yes. Very spotty coverage. All right. A lot of fog today. Tired of her being Get back. Come back already.
0: It all starts at 9 a.m.
1: Eastern. Now that we're in a new year, I think it's worth taking a step back and try to get a read on the averages and where they might be headed. I already told you about my predictions for the top five performers in the Dow. But Now we're going off the charts, and we're using Bob Lang. He's the founder of ExplosiveOptions.net, as well as being the brilliant technician and the all-star duo behind the Street.com's Trifecta Stocks newsletter. Because we want to get his technical take, not just on the Dow, but also on the S&P 500. Before we dive into the charts, it's worth pointing out that the last time we had Bob Lang do a beginning-of-the-year market assessment, it was five years ago. In 2013, he predicted the major indices would hit new highs by 2015, and he turned out to be very right. So we're reprising his efforts. What does Lang see in store for us in 2018? Well, it's pretty nifty. So why don't we start with the weekly chart of the S&P 500? How beautiful is this picture, people? First of all, Lang points out that the S&P didn't have, it didn't have a single losing month in 2017. That's the first time it's ever happened. And if anything, that's even more impressive than its 19% run. With so much momentum coming into this year, Lang thinks it would be a big mistake to get too bearish on this one. Now, he also notes that the S&P strength really started to broaden out in the fourth quarter as we saw an increase in the number of names trading above their 50-day moving averages. Interesting because a lot of them weren't tech, by the way, even though tech was strong. I like a market with good breath. This was a sign of continued buying from big institutions after the modest dip. You can barely see it in November until we see any evidence that these institutions want to start selling on mass, and we had none. Lang thinks you should keep buying the S&P into any dip if we get one. This was a good strategy all last year, and Lang sees no reason why that would change. Last year, the S&P only had two pullbacks, and they both went to its 20-week moving average. You can see these right here. Boy, did people feel these were the beginning of bear markets. Oh, the Trump bear market. And both these turned out to be excellent buying opportunities. They never did this, despite all those hedge fund letters that you saw which said the world's ending. Boy, I'm glad I don't. I'm not in any hedge funds. In fact, when you look at the S&P as a proxy for the broader market, it tells you that the bull is still going strong. The check and Money Flow Oscillator, the CMF, okay, which measures the level of buying or selling pressure in a security—pressure being whether it's being bought or whether it's being sold. How heavy is it? It's been positive for two and a half years, and it just keeps rising. It's a these are remarkable things. When you throw in the impact of tax cuts and interest rates that still remain pretty darn low, Lang thinks the S&P could be poised for yet another double-digit gain. All right, how about the weekly chart of the Dow Industrials? This thing, I mean, it's like the Mona Lisa of charts. I mean, will you look at this? It's beautiful. It's picture perfect. With its monster 25% gain last year, the Dow was like a runaway train that barely gave you a chance to get on board before pulling out of the station. And I say barely. Look at this. You need a microscope. Lang points out that that chicken money flow indicator you like so much could not have been higher. Big institutions were devouring the Dow stocks at all times. The relative strength index, we got the RSI going here. At the bottom, it's an important momentum indicator. Tells you what's going to happen ahead of time. It went to overbought levels and then stayed there for nearly the entire year. Normally, when something gets overbought, it comes up too far too fast, and it's due for a pullback. But when a stock or an index gets overbought and stays that way, we call it an embedded an embedded sign, and that's a sign of incredible strength. I wrote about this in Get Rich Carefully. That, you know, it's very funny about the way that, that uh, you get, when you get overbought for the longest time, it is the most positive sign possible, as opposed to a negative if just a short time. Like if this had gone right here, we would have been selling the market. From a momentum perspective, Lang says this chart is a thing of beauty. Volume trends are positive. The money flow remains very strong. What's not to like? In the end, Lang thinks it would be pointless to pick a top for this thing, even though I heard it all day. He could easily see the Dow rally another you know, 12 to 15% in 2018. And he doesn't write off the possibility of a crazy good 20% gain. <laughs> Take us to Dow 30,000. I'm laughing. I remember when Dow 36,000 was a big joke because it was so wrong. doesn't seem wrong now. My view, bottom line, charts as interpreted by Bob Lang give us a lot of reasons to be feeling pretty darn good about 2018. No, we don't want to get too euphoric. No, we don't want to be complacent. But I also think it's a big mistake to get too cynical. That's right, too sardonic for your own good. Irony never made a dime for anybody. Let's face it, we got a phenomenal bull market going here. Why don't you just enjoy it? Mid Money's back after the break. It is time! It's time for the lightning round clearance we'll 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 for the first one in 20 again! I'll be back by myself! 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 Bye be back by myself! i will be back by myself i will be back by myself i will be back by
0: myself i will
1: be back by myself i
0: i Hey, Celestial makes some very good products. Could you comment on some of the erratic behavior behind this stock?
1: Well, I mean, it had some financial regularities. They've been behind, they're now behind. The problem is a lot of people feel it's a takeover, and I don't think that Irwin Simon, who runs it, feels that way. So I would say, you know what? There are better fish to fry right now, but it's not as bad as when it had those financial problems. I need to go to Joe in Indiana. Joe! Hi,
0: Jim. Happy New Year to you and your crew. Yes, my crew is
1: amazing. They come in fresh. They're ready. Everybody was ready. I love that. What's up?
0: Jim, I have a stock no one ever talks about, Becton Dickinson.
1: Well, I'll talk about it. I think it's a strong buy. It's one of my absolute favorites, and it's a local company. I would pick it up hand over fist through this weakness. Let's go to Patty in California. Patty. Hi, Jim. Hi, Patty. Thanks for... Thank you so much for taking um, my phone call. Oh, of course. Um, you, oh, thank you. Happy New Year. Same. Um, you did such a great job last month. Um, you talked about it, Katie, and you went over the
0: history, and it was very detailed and informative. And I got a lot out of that. Um, but you mentioned that you did not know why the stock price was so volatile. Right. Volatile. Um, do you have any more insights on well, you why was we're going to do?
1: We are going to find out because they're going to present at the JP Morgan conference, and that's where we'll get the answers. And I will not let you down. I need another call. I need to go to Devin in Florida. Devin! How's it going, Jim? This is Devin in Florida. First, I, feel- I wanted to say I appreciate I'm doing good. I appreciate it. I want to say I appreciate your show as a young investor. Yes. And my question is about Carnival Cruise Line. And the answer is was- bye bye bye. My I tell God. you, they delivered an my amazing quarter. Didn't my get my enough credit. bye bye. that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the... Bye-bye, 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 lightning round!
0: The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: How do you play this fantastic run in oil with the price of crude flying through $60 a barrel thanks to OPEC production cuts? and increased demand from an accelerating global economy? Bye bye bye. Do you go with the pipelines, or the integrateds, the independents, the natural gas names, the drillers? You know, there was a time when the correct answer was all of the above. With the frigid cold in the east and so many stock traders operating in the frozen Wall Street area, you'd normally go with natural gas. I mean, the whole country seems cold. But you know what, natural gas is in a huge glut. So bad that the needle doesn't even seem to move no matter what. So the natural pick, the oil and gas companies with the most exposure to natural gas, simply won't participate the way they used to. I suggest you avoid any of the pure natural gas picks, especially around the Marcellus Shale in Pennsylvania or Utica in Ohio. Stuff's just not needed in the quantities we have. Export systems still in its infancy. So let's do this. If the weather stays like this for a couple more days and the natural gas stocks still don't participate and natural gas doesn't fly through the roof, I say trim, trim, trim. The surfet may be so large that even this cold snap isn't enough to move the needle. How about the drillers and service companies? Uh, This part of the oil food chain has been a victim of its own inventiveness. The technological improvements have been so great that you simply don't need as much drilling equipment as you used to. I always question how much service is really necessary at this point in the cycle. Domestically, Halberton should do well as there's still plenty of drilling in the Permian, but not as much as you might think. If General Electric were so, desperate to raise, were so desperate to raise cash, some fund managers would be buying GE subsidiary Baker Hughes, hand over fist. But the market's figured out, I think, that this business might be the first thing GE sells in order to shore up its balance sheet. It will most likely be the subject of a fire sale. I think it should be broken up and sold in pieces, but doesn't matter. I say no thank you. Members of ActionLaunchPlus.com, the club, know I'm stubborn and have dug my heels in on Schlumberger, S.O.B., the oil service kingpin. Because the man who called the downturn in oil the whole way, both loudest and first, is Schlumberger's CEO, Paul Kibbsgaard. Now he's changed his tune. He's calling for an up year because producers will need to invest to maintain the same level of production from declining oil fields. He made that call when crude was in the low 50s. Stock was right around these levels. So you haven't missed much with the crude now at 60 bucks. I'd be a buyer. We know from last year that the big oils no longer trade together. This is a new theme. There was tremendous disparity. Investors settled on Chevron as a growth oil. BP is a safe stock with a good dividend, as well as a lower tax rate for its U.S. properties, something the company cited today as beneficial to its American profits. Exxon is well behind the group, but that makes sense as it lacks the growth of the other two. You don't need too many winners in this space, please, so don't go ETF hunting. It's not worth buying the bad with the good. How about those independents? Hey, let's make it easy. Any companies with great Permian Basin oil growth will work. Look to Simrex, Diamondback, fang. And Concho, that's a symbol for dimeback, as they fit the profile. Finally, with oil at these levels, the best positioned stocks, I think, are the pipelines. The group is well below where it was trading when oil was last at these prices. The pipeline companies are no longer struggling with U.S. government. FERC greenlights pretty much anything. The independents are desperate for new pipe to take natural gas out of Marcellus and Utica to the south and the northeast and to take oil and gas out of the Permian for export. That's why I buy pretty much any of the well-run pipeline names from Magellan Midstream Partners, which Plus.com members know I trust because of its vast Permian exposure. Enterprise Product Partners, very high quality. And get this, if you've owned Energy Transfer Partners or Williams Companies, you might as well hold on at this point for the rising tide. New position. Some may want to buy the entire oil and gas group based on this new tax code. They were among the highest payers and could see a dramatic lift in earnings. Me, I say don't overthink it. Group trades on asset growth, not after-tax earnings, though the tax cut will certainly allow bullish analysts to take up numbers. They haven't done it yet. especially for the big profits here in the U.S. for the independents. There you have it. Your game plan for the suddenly revitalized sector. Brought back to life by $60 oil, a welcome level for the entire group. Just remember, rising tide has no reason to stop being selective. Stick with Schlumberger, Chevron, BP, the independents with Permian Exposure, Simrex Diamondback Concho, and the best-run pipelines, Magellan Midstream and Enterprise Product Partners. And, of course, stick with Kramer. is fang really back look it could be it had a month of slumber in december people got bored by fang they get bored by any stock i'm tired of hearing about bitcoin by the way when we have things like facebook that can go up five bucks and in a single day isn't that what you want that's what i'm looking for hey by the way apple Enough with the battery game. I'm calling that one case closed. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise i to find it just for you right here, man. Money. I'm Jim Kramer and I will see you tomorrow.